Now, today, I'm going to go into a series that we're going to be sharing for the next few weekends. And I really felt that we had to sort of bring back to the norm, you know, even though it's not the norm and we're still at home and this uh, coronavirus is still, you know, causing havoc all around us. I want to go into a series to sort of make us feel, you know, that things are at least back to normal here at church. And the series that we're going to start today is called Hope Resurrected. Hope Resurrected, okay? And we're going to go for a few weeks on that. And we're going to jump on, you know, right after Jesus' resurrection. So we're going to take advantage, actually, of what in the Bible is happening after Jesus resurrected and everything else. And today's teaching is called A Journey Towards Hope. A Journey Towards Hope. So I want to encourage you right there where you're at that you could take notes, all right? And today's message is called A Journey towards hope. And if you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And we're going to start reading in verse 13. And we're just going to break down this portion of scripture that I believe is so rich uh, for us in this season, a journey towards hope. The title of this message to me means a lot because I believe that hope is something that we're traveling towards. All of us, I believe that we have an a, a bit of hope in our lives for certain things that that we want. You know, the the person that 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 has never gotten married, they have hope that one day they'll get married. The person that is renting an apartment has hope that one day they could buy a house. The person that is making minimum wage salary has hope that one day they, they they'll have a different salary than the one that they have now. I believe that hope is a journey that we get on. You know, and we put our eyes on something that that is in our hearts. And in this scripture that we're going to read today, we're going to see that journey towards hope in the life of two disciples. All right. Now, this story, it's it's an amazing story because it happens the Sunday after Jesus resurrected. And on that Sunday, you know, uh, there was still a lot of confusion of what was going on. Some people were saying that they had seen Jesus resurrected. Other people were saying, no, that's impossible. It can't happen. The Jewish leaders were saying that his body had been stolen. So there was a lot of confusion going on. And then we have this story here. And starting in verse 13, it says, That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. What were they talking about? They were talking about the crucifixion. They were talking about the death of Jesus. They were talking about this resurrection story that was going around. You know, it was seven miles from Jerusalem to the city called Emmaus where they were going. Now, in seven miles walking, that could be a very long conversation and a lot of topics come up, could come up. A lot of things could be spoken in a walk of seven miles. You could get really discouraged talking to somebody that is on a downer in a seven mile walk. 
And as they were walking, they were talking about all these things very similar to what could happen if you get on a phone with somebody that is really discouraged right now with everything that is happening in our world with this coronavirus. You could get on a phone conversation or, or on a video conversation with somebody right now, and in 10 minutes, you could be in complete depression. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. There'll be people that you could be all happy and ready to start your day. And all of a sudden, they'll start telling you how many people are sick in your city and how many people have died and that they haven't found, you know, a vaccine for that virus yet. And all of a sudden, that talk could just discourage you completely for that day or maybe for even for that whole week. Seven miles, these guys were talking. And they were talking about what had happened to Jesus and the promises he made and all these things and on and on and on. And the Bible says, following verse, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. You see, as they were in the midst of their confusion, as they were in the midst of talking about their defeat, as they were in the midst, you know, of their hurt and their pain and they're having this catharsis moment going back and forth speaking, the Bible says that Jesus himself came and began walking with them. You see, for me, that's a very important scripture right there because what it's telling me is that even when I'm in my point of despair, even when I'm in my point of doubting, even when I'm in the point of trying to reason what's going on, Jesus could be right there with me in the midst of that situation. And it could be a possibility that I don't see him with my eyes, but he's present listening to everything that I'm speaking. And that's what was happening to these guys right here. It says that Jesus himself, Jesus had resurrected, all right? And he just walks along and tags along with these two guys. They don't recognize that it's Jesus because the Bible says that God kept them from recognizing him. You see, there's moments in our lives that Jesus is in the midst of the situation we're going through. But God doesn't allow us to recognize him. God does not allow us to recognize that Jesus is there. We don't recognize that behind maybe a painful situation, Jesus is there. Behind a situation with your wife or with your husband, Jesus is there. Behind a situation with your son, Jesus is there. Behind a situation with your health, Jesus is there. And a lot of time, God could be using a situation, hello somebody, like the one that we're living right now, to call our attention and say, hello everybody, hello, I've been wanting to talk to you. I've been wanting to spend time with you. I've been wanting to reach out to you, but you've been so busy. You've been doing so many things. How about now? How about now? Do you have a little bit of time for me? You see, I think that Jesus is really speaking to us. He's in the midst of what we're going through. But God, a lot of times, will keep us from recognizing him in what we're going through. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? These guys were so into their conversation. They, 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 Jesus says, what are you discussing so intently? They, they were so into what they were saying. 
They, these guys might have looked a little bit like our Hispanic people, speaking with their hands and speaking loud, and, and they're explaining all these things and the promises that God had made and how these things weren't fulfilled. And Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? What are you talking about? Have you stopped in the middle of this situation to hear yourself talk? What is it that you've been talking about right now? Because the Bible says that our mouth speaks out of the abundance of our heart. So in other words, what comes out of our mouth is what we're thinking and what we're harboring in here. Have you stopped to listen to what you're saying? A lot of us are saying, I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to get this virus. I think I'm going to get this virus. That's what you're believing. Stop and listen to yourself speak. And when Jesus asked them, it says that they stopped short. Sadness written across their face. I love that. Sadness was written across their face. Have you ever talked to somebody and the moment that you ask them about a situation, you see the weight of that situation just come upon them? Maybe they have a relative that's been in the hospital and is sick. Maybe they went through a bankruptcy. Maybe they lost the marriage. And the moment that you bring up the topic, you just see the sadness just wear on their face. And that's what's going on here. They stopped sadness ridden across their face. Then one of them, Clopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. You're the only one, Jesus, that haven't heard about what happened. And I love it when God plays the fool. I love it. You know, when God acts dumb, you know, when he, he asks these questions just to, 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 so that we could continue talking, you know, and as we talk, we get more into a mess. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but they say, are you the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things that have happened? No, they happened to him. They happened to him, but they didn't know it was him. What things Jesus asked? Maybe you're going through a depression right now. Maybe you're going through anxiety, anger, frustration. Maybe you're broke and you think that God doesn't know about it. And you could be there saying, I can't believe that there's a God. And if God loves me, why is he letting this happen to me? And all these things. And we could go on and on and on about what happened. And they're talking about what happened in Jerusalem. Are you the only one that doesn't know what happened? You see, people are going through so many things right now in this season. As I was listening to the news, one of the things that has gone up in this season is domestic abuse. Domestic abuse is on the rise because everybody's at home and they're angsty and, and they're short-tempered right now. Child abuse has gone up during the coronavirus. Pornography has gone up during the coronavirus. I was listening this week to an interview that they were doing with four moms. This was on NBC. 
And they were interviewing four moms that they're working from home, but they have the kids at home as well, trying to study and do their school from home. And these moms were talking about their frustration and how desperate they are in the middle of the situation that they're going through. And I want to tell you something. It is a desperate situation. It is a crazy situation. Talk to me. I got four children. And all of them have taken over a room in the house. And my wife are just looking for a little corner, you know, in order to do the transmissions at 12 o'clock. You know, we're looking for a little corner so that we could have our quiet time with God or, or to work and do the different things that we got to do. It's crazy when you have kids and they're all home and you're trying to work. It's nuts. One of the moms in that interview said that what she's done is that after the kids go to bed, she has started drinking alcohol. To try to calm down and sort of like relax a little bit. People are going into all these different things to cope with the pain of what has happened. And these disciples asked Jesus, don't you know what has happened? Don't you know why we're like this? Don't you know why we're sad? Don't you know why we're frustrated? Don't you know why we're a little bit uptight right now? Jesus, are you the only one that does not know? These things happened to Jesus, they said. The man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet. And I love when they say that. He was a prophet. You see, when God doesn't act the way that you expect Him to act, or He doesn't do what you expect Him that He should do, what we do is that we lower Him from status. A a few weeks before, they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. He's the Savior of the world. He's God's Messiah. He's come for us. But now He died, and there's this whole resurrection story, and we don't know what's going on. We thought that He was a prophet. Uh, we thought that this guy was right on. We thought that this guy was a godsend. Look, look how they continue. We thought he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. They're talking about all the things that Jesus did. How funny. They're talking to Jesus about it. They're telling him about it. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. They blamed the priests. They blamed the leaders, the religious leaders. That it was them. You see, when you're in a moment of pain, when you're in a moment of hurt, what you start doing is the blame game. The pointing the fingers. Whose fault is this whole coronavirus thing? Is it the Chinese? You know, it's a, a Chinese virus. Is it, is it the Trump administration? Is it, is it the doctors? Is it, you know, the who? Is it this? Is it that? What we'll start doing in a moment like this is that we'll start pointing fingers to let people know that our disappointment is coming from somewhere else. But the reality is that our disappointment comes from unfulfilled expectations that we have in here. And they say our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And by the way, they got that all wrong. By the way, that is completely off. 
Because even though what they saw in their eyes is that yes, all right, it was the leading priests and the religious leaders who handed him to be put over to death. The reality is, is that it wasn't these guys. It was God the Father that was handing Jesus over. You see, Jesus had to go through what he went for you and for me. So all these guys were really being used by God in a bigger story that was being played out behind the scenes that people really didn't know what was happening. Jesus actually had said before that nobody takes his life, that he puts down his life. So it wasn't the priests. It wasn't the leaders of that time. It wasn't Pontius Pilate. It wasn't none of these guys. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, I want you guys to understand this, you that are watching me there, those nails were not the ones that were holding Jesus to that cross. What was holding Jesus to that cross, listen to this, was his obedience to God the Father. It was the will of God so that Jesus could die to pay a price for you and me to have a relationship with him. Those nails were not holding him there. He could have gotten down from there if he wanted to, but... He wanted to be obedient to the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was that Jesus would hang on that cross. That Jesus would take away the sins of the world. And we continue with this story. They continue speaking. They're just going on and on and they're ranting and going. Like I said, this is that seven-mile walk, seven-mile conversation. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. We had hoped. Hoped deferred makes the heart sick. That's what the Bible says. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Their hope was dead. It was lost. It was gone. We had hoped. All that Jesus had said for these two guys was down the toilet. All Jesus had done was nice things for a guy that was a prophet. But we wasted our time. You see, we wasted our time praying and going to church and giving our tithes and our offerings. Look at the church now. Everybody's at home. Nobody's meeting. God is allowing all these things to happen. You know, he's punishing us. He's doing this. He's doing that. And on and on and on and on, we'll talk about what we hoped that didn't happen. That's why the message I've named it, A Journey Towards Hope. Because we could see that they're letting all these things out as they're walking along. And then it continues, and they say, this all happened three days ago. This all happened three days ago. In other words, they're saying, three days ago, we lost our hope. Three days ago, we lost our hope. Do you remember when you lost your hope? Was it about a month ago when this whole virus went nationwide and they started locking down or you started hearing the news from New York? When did you lose your hope? Was it when they told you that you couldn't operate your business anymore? Did you lose your hope the moment that your employer said, you know what, we can't continue paying you 
don't come on Monday. When did you lose your hope? What event made you lose your hope? Maybe it was when you were a little kid and your dad wasn't there. So your hope hasn't been lost in this situation. This situation, what has made it is just worse. You've gone deeper into just despair, but you've lost hope long ago. Maybe you lost hope when your husband walked out on you. What made you lose hope in life? Because I want to tell you something. God wants to use this season and this time to bring hope back into your life. All this happened three days ago. All this happened three days ago. And some woman from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. This is like to add, all right, injury, you know, insult to injury type thing. We're already dealing with all this kind of stuff and all craziness is going on. And now these women are coming to us. With this amazing report, they said his body was missing. And that they had seen angels who told them that Jesus was alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone. Just as the woman had said. So they're confused. They are lost. They're, they're trying to make sense of all these events that are taking place. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Here we go. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? I love what Jesus says here. Jesus what he does is like, why are you having such a hard time believing? And maybe you're going through this situation and you're like, what am I going to believe in the midst of all this? That God is good? Man, I think God has forgotten about us. I don't know if God is a God of love, if he's allowing people to die all over and all the elderly, they can't even say goodbye to their family members. And we have all these things that are just bombarding our hearts and the enemy will just continue planting those seeds and planting those seeds. But what did Jesus do? He brought them back to the scriptures. He brought them back to the promises of God. Can we, dear family, you that are connected right there, can we get to the point where we actually believe what the Bible says about God? Can we get to a point where our faith is not just a Sunday morning faith, but a faith that is the bedrock for our life? And that we can anchor ourselves in that bedrock and no matter what storm comes, I'm not going to be shaken. Can we believe what he says about us, about the purposes and the plans that he has for our lives? When are we going to get to that point? Jesus said, hey, why is it so hard for you guys to believe the scriptures? And I'm going to read to you a couple of scriptures. For example, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Can you believe that with me today? In the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, can you believe that scripture? Or how about Romans 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Can God work this situation out for the good for me in the midst of what we're going on right now? Or how about Psalm 23, 4? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Can we believe that promise as we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now? We don't know where this plague could be hiding as we walk. We don't want to touch doorknobs. We don't want to shake hands because we don't know if it's there. Or how about the promise of Philippians 4.19 that it says, But my God shall supply your every need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How about we believe that one? Because that's what the Scripture says. And God's not a man to lie. Or the Son of Man. To bring up a fable and just try to get us all caught up in something. No, God... His promises are true. He's a faithful God. I want you right there where you're at, at a home right now where you're sitting, that you could understand that even in the midst of this pandemic, God is faithful. God is good. He has not changed. He doesn't change. As we close, it says, By this time they were nearing Emmaus, Finally, the seven-mile walk is coming to an end. And the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he was going to go on further. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. Jesus acted as if he was going to go on further, as if he was not going to hang out with them. Jesus was there for them. But he acted as if he was not going to go. But you know what they told him? You know what, Jesus? Stay with us. You see... They saw something different in this visitor that had joined the conversation that they were having. You see, maybe this guy wasn't speaking, you know, all that doomsday prophecy that they were talking about as they were walking. He started speaking to them about the scriptures and the promises of God and that the Messiah had to suffer and that he would rise again. He was speaking a different conversation and something of what he was saying was appealing to them that when he was going to go on further, they said, you know what, why don't you stay with us? We need to hear what you have to say. That's why it's so important, church, that in this time, you don't fall into speaking the bad news, that you and I would be messengers of good news, that you and I would be messengers of hope, that you and I would be messengers of faith, because people need the city that is upon the hill right now more than ever. The people need our light in the midst of the darkness that this world is in right now more than ever. This is the time where we are the church and we walk Sure of the confidence that we have in Jesus. This is the time. So they said, Jesus, how about you stay with us without knowing that it was Jesus? As they sat down to eat. You see, they got ready to have a meal, to share a little bit more. It was a moment of greater intimacy. Can you say that with me right there in your home? Greater intimacy. It was a moment of greater intimacy. Then he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were 
opened and they recognized him. You see, there's a suddenly in this story where their eyes are open to recognize who that stranger in their conversation was. And they recognize at that moment that it was Jesus. But at what moment when they decided to have greater intimacy? I want to tell you something, my friend, that you are watching right there. This is a season where God is inviting you and me to greater intimacy with him. And as we have greater intimacy, he will show us things even in the midst of the craziness we're living in this world right now, that you and I would even believe. He will protect us. He will give us hope. He would encourage our faith. He's inviting us to come close. He's inviting us to walk closer, to sit down. It says that they recognized him. And the moment they did, he disappeared. He disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? In this season, has your heart burned with the presence of God? Has your heart burned for the word of God? Has your heart burned for the voice of God? Their hearts burned, they said, when he was talking with them. Those seven miles back were going to be very different than the seven miles that they walked to a mile, because it says here, and within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Forget about spending the night. We're not staying here. You know what? We need to get back to Jerusalem. We just saw Jesus resurrected. Our hope is not dead anymore. Our hope is alive. We're not spending the night in a place without hope. We are running to where my hope is. And the Bible says that that same night, they went back to Jerusalem. Oh boy, those seven miles back were so different than the seven miles that they were going here talking about all the despair and everything that they were going through. Their perspective changed completely. And it says that they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. That was their conclusion. When they got to where the other 11 disciples were, they said, the Lord has really risen. To me, this story is so amazing as I conclude. Because these two guys are not even part of the 11 apostles that Jesus walked with. Who are these two guys that Jesus takes the time to speak to and clear their doubts and bring them back to hope and back to faith when the Bible has never mentioned them before and will never mention them after that story again? What that tells me, that doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what you and I are going through. There's a God that will take his time to sit with you and speak you through what you're going. If you allow him to and bring hope back to your life, he will bring you on a journey towards your hope. The Lord has really risen that was the conclusion the lord has really risen in this season of uncertainty in this season of confusion in this season of anxiety 
Can you and I right there say with all our hearts, the Lord has really risen? What we celebrated last week wasn't just a rah-rah, you know, moment, you know, so that we could get hype and celebrate Easter and then we fall back to what we were doing before. No, the Lord has really risen. And because He rose, I rise with Him. I rise with him. What is the Holy Spirit telling you this morning right there where you're at? I'm fired up here speaking to you like if you were sitting on the living room together with me. This is what I want to share with you today. Don't lose your hope. Don't let frustration overtake you. Don't let anxiety, don't let depression overtake you. Know in whom you've trusted, the risen Lord. I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. And for a moment there with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to ask the Lord to do something in your life today. And if you've been doubting in this season, instead of hope, you've let all these other feelings, depression, anger, frustration, you've let all these feelings into your heart. I want you to ask the Lord forgiveness right there. Just tell him, Lord, I, I want to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for allowing all these thoughts to come to my mind. I'm I'm sorry for allowing my ears and my eyes to pay attention to all these things that are going on around me. Let, Let me listen to you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're telling me, Lord. Would you restore my hope today? Can you give me hope for the future today, Jesus? Tell them that right there where you're at. Can you give me hope for the future today? Can you give me hope for my life? Can you give me hope for my family? Can you give me hope that after we're done with this, I'm going to be better off than I am right now? Can you give me hope for that, Lord? Father, right now I pray for each person that is watching me. I want to ask your blessing over their lives, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you would take our faith to a level of believing what the scriptures have written in a time like this, Lord, we need to believe. And I pray that hope arises, Lord God, in the hearts of each person that is watching. Faith arises in the heart of each person that is watching right now. I declare that right now when we finish this time, something is going on on the inside, that there would be a hunger and a desire for closer intimacy and fellowship with you and put off all the voices that the world is speaking but to listen to you, Lord. And right there where you're at, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. If you've already invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you see, I said something a second ago in the message that when Jesus was up on that cross, it wasn't those nails that were holding him up there. It was his obedience to the will of the Father. The Bible says that God loved the world so much, he loved you and me. That he sent his one and only son, Jesus, for whoever believed in him, not die, but have eternal life. Jesus came here to live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And to die the death that you and I should die. Because we sin every day. Every day we make mistakes. But he went to that cross to pay for you and me. But he didn't stay on that cross. He resurrected the same way we just read. And that resurrection tells me that what happened on that cross is now valid. In other words, he destroyed death and now he could offer me eternal life. I want you there with your eyes closed and head bowed. 
to make this prayer after me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness in my life. Today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask that you would make me a child of God. Forgive all my sins and allow me to live for the purpose that you have for me. Give me new hope today, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen and amen. My friend, if you made that prayer right now, I believe you were born again. I believe that right now, according to the scripture, it says that there's a party going on in heaven when one person repents of their sin. If that is you, I want to applaud you right now. I want to join the celebration that is going on in heaven. And I would love for you to tell us about this decision that you've made. We want to send you a little something that we could send it to you electronically to your home. So if you would be so kind to go to our webpage, with, which is numachurchmiami.org. And you can fill out an online connection card that we have there. We'll send you a card and we're going to send you a free booklet to let you know what are your following steps, how you could continue following after Jesus, after this amazing decision that you've made. If you're watching through Facebook, let us know right there in the comment section. I believe that's all you need to do. And one of our people will follow up with you. But if you could go to that website and fill that connection card, that will be an amazing blessing. Church, what an amazing time we're having this morning sharing his word. God is a good God. Amen. He's a faithful God. Today, I declare that hope is being resurrected in each of our hearts and in our lives. Amen.